You see this thing that's going around the internet where people say that uh, it says some people have an internal uh, narrative and some people don't have an internal narrative. Which one are you? I th- I I, th- I think in words. You and think in words. And okay. I hear like in my head. I hear a voice that are my thoughts. My brain has none of that. Like, I was reading through a lot of the comments on this stuff, and it's like, oh, I have, like, some of this, I think, in some words. I never, ever think in... My brain is just, like, free-floating ideas in a box, and I always thought that's how everyone else thought. I thought that, like, in these movies with, like, them showing people having, like, internal monologues, I was like, oh, that's, like, totally a fictional thing. Apparently, a lot of you'll really think... Think like they talk. So, so let me get. I just have one question. I'm glad we found you to ask this question because I've I've always wanted to know. How do you get angry at another person by having an <laughs> argument in your head, like a fictitious argument? How does that go down for you? I don't. What? This is something I, I talk to uh, to Allison about sometimes. She's like, yeah, I just like relive that conversation. I'm like, I can't even have a conversation in my head. So when you're nervous about like something that's going to happen, like say you have to go talk to your boss, your boss calls you in his office or something, and you have to go talk to them, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Your head doesn't automatically play the worst case scenario of them firing you and blacklisting you from every corporation in Texas? Well, I, I do have negative thoughts but my negative thoughts are more like feelings oh wow i never have like i never imagine negative conversations happening i just imagine the like kind of negative feelings they would impart on me and the general atmosphere when you're doing like a medit a guided meditation practice and someone tells you to close your eyes and think of like a babbling brook can you picture the scene that they're describing? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you can still... I have a very vivid visual imagination. You can visually yeah. imagine things. You just don't have, like, a running narration in your head that... Yeah. yeah. That's crazy to me. I just have intrusive thoughts. So, like, for meditation apps, if I, like, close my eyes and don't have other stimulus, I just imagine awful visual things. Visual things. Yeah. yeah. But never... I don't know. Like, I can imagine words, and I can imagine people speaking them, but it's just not how I think. Do you imagine... When you imagine words, are you imagining, like, the word written out on, on a chalkboard? <laughs> uh, well, I actually imagine... You know the... Uh, in those sing-alongs for kids where oh. you follow the bouncing ball? That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. And then the words light up, and I, I think of them. What's really weird about having the internal narrator thing is that you can totally think, like, sentences and stuff that you want to say, but when it comes time to say stuff, that doesn't happen up there. It's just, it's coming out of your mouth. Like, it's, uh-huh. it's like, instantaneous. It, there's no delay, and that's freaky, because, like, if you don't think of the words beforehand... Did you ever actually think of them at all? Or is your mouth just like running away with your thoughts? So uh, Allison is very much internal narrative kind of person. And sometimes we'll be sitting on the couch, you know, our favorite place to be. Uh, Ikea. And she will say something to me like, yeah, and Crystal's going to help us with the lake project. I was like, who is Crystal and what is the lake project? And she's like, oh, I thought... I, I was thinking about it, and I thought I had said it. And to me, 
with the way my brain works, that sounds like a lie, but I know it's not because that's the craziest thing I can imagine. Yeah, no. Is someone thinking they had already said something. So I run into this with Jamie all the time. In fact, tonight she sent me a text message around noon like, oh, I forgot. Tonight is Pride and Prejudice night. Uh, It probably starts around 7 and I'll be back probably around 9. And I just said, sounds cool, okay. (laughs) But in reality, I had no idea what this is. So I did a follow-up question. Who are you seeing oh, no. with? And she, she explained, but it was just like, she totally thinks she told me about this whole thing, uh-huh. but she never did. But I've learned to kind of just roll with it because it doesn't matter Yeah. until it's like, oh, hey, I, I say to her, oh, we're free on Saturday. And she goes, no, we're not. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, and it never leads to a fight, but it's always just been like, maybe, <laughs> maybe just... As practice, just say things aloud sometimes. That's something that uh, I had a very similar experience with today because Allison said to me, I'm so sad I can't go to Pride and Prejudice. And I said, what? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, me and Jamie are going. I was like, we never, ever talked about it. I actually did learn about that. Her name came up, but then it turned out she was feeling under the weather, so she couldn't make it. And for that, I say... Get well soon. Yeah, she'll she'll get well soon. We're yeah, not in better. the podcast yet. She better. start out this episode by reading another fortune cookie. John, are your legs tired? You've been running through someone's mind all day long. Not really. <laughs> it's really good. Fo- I think it's better Foley work this week, actually. <laughs> it's not. That's not much you, of a fortune. It's more like a weird pickup line. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> what if you start getting fortunes? They're like, uh, you have a. Nope, that's not a pickup line. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. And my name's not eating John because some people have misophonia. Misophonia. <laughs> <laughs> and together we're Henry and John coming at you to not eat on the podcast and speak at the same time while tackling the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. 
Misophonia. Is that the fear of hearing somebody eating? Yeah, it's where uh, you can't stand the sound of people like eating or crinkling things near a thing. Oh, that's a shame, because that's all that was for the past minute it, and a half. It really was. That's why people say you shouldn't eat a banana on a podcast. I, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that rule. What's ASMR? I've listened to videos, but only the ones where a nun is taking care of me because I have the plague. <laughs> that's asymmetric sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, there we go. I don't I don't know what it stands for, but I know we know what it is. Yeah. It's where uh um thoughts on the internet whisper into a mic about how they're your girlfriend, right? Sometimes it's people like pouring ball bearings into a cantaloupe or whatever. Not from what I've seen. <laughs> it is yeah. exclusively young twenty something women wearing little oh, to no clothing. See, this is the problem. We're thinking of Two different so, things. I'm thinking of ASMR meaning asymmetric sound, which is a scientific process that stimulates a certain chemical in your brain. And you're thinking of the uh, other ASMR, which is a sexy maid reads Autonom- autonomous sensory meridian response. Oh, I have no idea what that is. That's the chemical thing. But I have listened there, to so. Just so you know. The Nun was pretty attractive. On Twitch.tv. Production value was pretty low, though. There's a section of Twitch.tv called ASMR, and if you click on that, all you will see are young women, sometimes wearing clothes, (laughs) speaking about how they're your girlfriend. I feel as though... Here's the thing, Henry. We have two forces in the world... We have forces in the world that exist under a capitalistic system, and that is the the desire for more money, and things that desire more money will inexorably get closer and closer to being pornography until they are pornography. Uh, and the other force uh, that exists is people who try to keep it contained. They're trying to hold all these limes. But everything's going to be as close to porn as it can be, as long as these two forces exist. So I'm saying get one, get rid of one or the other. I'm a fan of get rid of the controlling force so everything is pornography. But if we get rid of the pornography, we just wear buckle hats. So, you know, both are pretty sweet futures. We read buckle hats? We wear buckle hats. Why? Like we're, pilgrims. We're Puritans again? Yeah. We would have to be. Because there's pornography everywhere. Well, because we get rid of pornography. Oh, I thought you were saying get rid of the restrictions. Yeah, if we get rid of the restrictions, pornography everywhere, I'd love it. If there we got be... rid of the pornography, we'd be Puritans. Yeah, well, you can't you can't get rid of pornography. Oh, no, it's a losing battle. Yeah, no, but also you can't... Look at how much we've successfully and correctly and morally corrupted culture already. Pornographers are winning. And that's endemic by seeing all these ASMR <laughs> Twitch thoughts. Yes. Because on Twitch, your primary goal is to make money, not art. And if you're... Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> G- Girlfriend greets you from coming home from work. <laughs> parenthesis ASMR, close parenthesis, yeah. is a work parenthesis of Parenthesis stereo, parenthesis 4.1. <laughs> dash use headphones. <laughs> dash use headphones, dash VR. But what's always funny is they're always, like, whispering, and it's like, if my wife greeted me home from work by whispering, I'd be like, what? <laughs> can, can you speak up? If uh, if I came home and my, my girlfriend was like, 
Welcome home. I'd be like, we're breaking up. We're breaking <laughs> up. Too You're weird. a ghost. You're a ghost. You're a ghost. Only ghost whispers. Only ghost whisper. I want someone to yell at me. Where's my yelling <laughs> ASMR? You know how ASMR stimulates the response in your brain that makes you feel like calm and tingly? I want the opposite that makes me feel like shattery like a pretzel and full of anxiety. Yeah. I want... That's called that's called uncut gems. <laughs> yes. I want ASMR where some... Uh, where someone who might be described as a thought screams at me, but then is completely silent and then storms out. That's called fin- Fimdom. <laughs> yes. There, uh, there are all types of things for you, John. I get really upset because I was trying to go into a Fimdom chat room because I thought I was about to get dominated by some dolphins, but it turns <laughs> out they just wanted my money. Oh, fin- Fimdom. Dumb, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a good Turns joke. Turns out it's just financial domination. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I don't know why, but that bothers me. <laughs> the financial domination one bothers me on a weird level. I, uh, I also went into a... I also went into a femdom chat room. Yeah. I was disappointed because I thought I was going to talk to a lot of feminine Dominic Toretto's. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Dominic Toretto, we have an honor-bound duty to introduce our sponsor for this podcast... Uh, mine is a lukewarm Hans Pills from the last case of Hans Pills that we have. And mine is a, an ice-cold Austin East Siders. That was rude of me. Pride of the state. Pride of the city. East Siders is huge. It's the only cider I Jesus like. Christ, this is bad. <laughs> Listen, warm beer. Oh. It... Now, it how, even smells warm. What's the temperature you describe that beer as being? Uh, I, and and uh, from what? It's room temperature. Incorrect. Oh, cowboy cold. Because no, no, nothing cowboys drink was cold. No, it's uh, if it's room temperature, oh. it's cold compared to everything that they drink outside, which would be hot. Because they're out in the... Cowboys are so fucking snowflakey, they have to have their own definition of cold. They, they're extinct, so, you know, <laughs> maybe don't. I, I've heard it, I've heard some people believe that cowboys never existed. Got the devil just implanted <laughs> evidence their bones. Their bones <laughs> to make us doubt. Yeah, the, uh, the, the earth is actually uh, 200 years old. And uh, the bones of the cowboys were put there by the devil. That rascally drevel devil. Now we're honor bound to do the other thing that we have to do. We're in the midst, right over the hump, of our coverage of Fast and Furious Spy Racers colons Fast and... Whoa. (laughs) Fast and Furious colons Spy Racers... And uh, this one, we've got this is a six episode of, out of eight, right? Six of eight. Oh, help me bring done. that down into into uh, into a <laughs> into a fraction. Six over eight, three over four, seventy five percent down. Five point seven five. After we talk about one hundred seventy five percent. After we do cover three quarters, one might say. <laughs> Of the way done. Of the of what we have remaining to watch, we have one quarter or uh <laughs> After two we finish eight, talking about this episode, that will be true. Right now we're five out of eight. Break yeah. that down, you dummy. Five out of eight? Okay, so oh, fuck, eight he's goes into fifty. <laughs> eight goes into fifty, so it's point oh, okay. what? 
six something. This is, this is not. This okay. is not good. Fine. Radio six two. I'm gonna. You know, while you do all this, two. I'm gonna put some time on the clock, and uh, we will discuss. Oh, why does it always do this? We'll discuss this episode of Fast and the Furious. Spy Racers for two hours. <laughs> Great. Great. This is very respectful of my travel plans. 24 minutes and 46 seconds. Go. 0.625. Cool. 62. This episode is called The Final Key. Yes, the cars, the keys, as we learned in the last episode. And in this episode, the cars remain the keys. Uh, we had a fun bit uh, earlier where uh, I was it, pretending as it, if I didn't watch the episode. It does not seem as though and, John has uh, watched the episode. And Henry was asking me for some proof, and I deflected, and I still have not given him any proof that I've actually seen I'm actually kind of convinced that John did not watch this episode. Uh, but that's alright. So, uh, this episode featured my least favorite joke in the series Yet bar none. Is it the nacho joke? It is the nacho joke. Yeah. So you did watch it. I did it. watch the episode. Yeah, so there so I'm sorry, is it worse than Run Froyo Life? Uh at least Run Froyo Life I had never heard before. But the Nacho Cheese, Nacho Business, Nacho Property, like that that's been done since like the fourth grade. It's a joke as old as time. It yes, time that joke existed, and then suddenly there was a big bang. Yeah, and then now here we are with Spy Kids now, or whatever it's called. One thing that that we have uh, we talk about a lot is how piss poor the comedy is in this show. It is awful. So let's let's dive into just for a second why Run Froyo Life is better than it's Nacho Cheese now. Okay, I think it's because. Run Froyo Life was telegraphed by the presence of Froyo twice before in the episode. Okay. Whereas I don't think we've ever actually been introduced to this nacho cheese machine. Yeah. And it seems like they did it just to make the nacho joke. Yes, exactly. They introduced something. Because they had shown us before the the the, the splendid layout of this, this secret hideout. And they showed the Froyo machine. Yes. But they never showed a nacho dispenser. They never, they never did. What is a nacho dispenser? Does it dispense the cheese or the chips? Probably both. Oh. Yeah. Wow. They also... Here's a problem I have. When they had the Froyo dispenser in Shashi Dar's house to go back, it was just like a whipped cream thing. Yeah. So I think the writers did want them to have, did want them to be cracking whippets, but instead they decided to uh, <laughs> to make it Froyo instead. The this censor, show could yeah. have been much cooler. The the Netflix censor stepped in the last second and said, "Replace all of the whippets with Froyo." Yes, they can no longer crack whippets constantly. Uh, yes, this episode sucked. I hate this show. I don't know. This isn't the worst one we've seen. It's not that bad because at least the kids take some initiative. Rather than writing it so that the, uh, the bad guy issues an ultimatum, the bad guy has Frosty. Frosty got kidnapped the last episode. And rather than being like, hey, uh, go steal the last key for me or else your buddy gets it. Instead, Tony Toretto is completely turns on his country and his government. Yes, in order to go to get his family back. True king shit. Real, real Dominic Toretto king shit. To yeah. be like, it's family before everything else, 
And I've had a tenuous relationship with this government thing anyway. Yeah. So I'm turning against them and ostensibly working with the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, calls up the bad guy. He's like, hey, do you want me to do your job for you in exchange for the prisoner? Yes. And it's like, you know, how can that go wrong? <laughs> uh, indeed. I would be interested to see if in the next two episodes we actually ended up seeing... Uh, sympathetic side to Shashidar related to the protagonist where they actually start working together. That would be nifty. Because as we've discussed, I think that Shashidar is the the moral backbone of this show. And we also learn what all the keys lead up to. Oh, yes. Oh. The, it's like a God's Eye, but less cool. It's God's Eye, but can actually control technology. Uh-huh. A skeleton key is what they call it. Yeah. I'm, in your international thr- spy thriller series, should you wait 75% of the series to introduce the big MacGuffin? Yeah, I. it's just been keys up until this point. Now we are suddenly made aware that there's this uh, God's Eye, I mean, skeleton key. In all of the spy thrillers I've watched, it's usually within the first, let's say 25%, the first quarter of a movie, mm-hmm. where we learn, like, the bad guy's got the big weapon or is developing the big weapon, and it's up to our, our suit-clad hero to go stop it. Yeah. Uh, the, the stakes were never appropriately set out from the beginning, which is an issue with storytelling. Uh, as far as... This episode's kind of a blur to me. Because Same. there's the nacho cheese thing. Yeah. And then immediately after that, in my mind, they start working with Shashidar. Well, yeah, like Layla shows up. and Layla like, shows up with I had a coalition. No, I, I had no idea... He was gonna steal Frosty. I have a lot of problems with Layla in this episode. There was a line where she says, I'm from... Gumneck. North Gumneck or something? I'm from Gumneck, North Kakalaka. What the hell is... What is... So it's... What the fuck? It's strange because she's saying North Carolina. And typically speaking if you want to say North Carolina you say North Kakalaki you do I've never heard of North Kakalaka before I've never heard of either of those I apparently things. looked it up and it showed up in a linguistics journal from like 2003 as North Kakalaka uh, what's but the yes. problem with saying North Carolina because people just come up with different names for things okay I thought they were doing this weird thing where it's like we know it takes place in the same cinematic universe as Fast and Furious, but for some reason all the state <laughs> names are wrong? No, it. Uh, she was just saying North Carolina weird. Uh, but they fought, I don't know. Oh, I didn't care about that. Yeah. I What I do care about is... Uh, There's Incineration Ray. Miss Nowhere is still my least favorite part of the show because everything she says is dog shit. I have to apologize to the show. Why? I have previously made fun of the recurring re- joke of Miss Nowhere. Oh, her Fitbit. Having to meet her steps. They did it not once, but twice. Yes. I don't think I complained about it the second time. But in this episode, there's actually a payoff. They track her location through the step counting app she uses. Stepping it up. Which I, is at least a little bit clever. But there's no way in hell that a government agent 
has an app on her phone that can track her location. No way. That's but like basic protocol. I will say that that revelation does lead to the single best line of the entire episode as Cisco sidles up to Echo and says something to the effect of, that's cool, but uh, privacy, man. Yeah, well, what, what happened to what happened, privacy? What happened to that? <laughs> uh, in, a, in a very prescient kind of depressing way. Probably the uh, smartest thing Cisco has said. Yeah, Cisco is now second to Shashi Dar in his level of like uh, pre singularity cultural consciousness. It's like each of the characters have a moment where they almost wake up. Yes, and then they just they're lulled back to sleep because Tony Toretto says we gotta stick together with family. I want to make it very clear that Tony Toretto very much does not have any amount of uh, of class or cultural consciousness. Were I to rank them. I'd say Shashi Dar is up front. I want to say that, uh, surprisingly, I think of Frosty is number two. Even though he hasn't said a lot, we know Frosty's upbringing. Yeah. He has two moms. Yeah. They sell Soprasetta. He probably kind of, I don't know, maybe they're a gentrifying force in his neighborhood. Maybe Frosty's bad. But I feel like Frosty would have to know something, unless he's like a willfully ignorant Elon Musk. I mean, Mulan Dusk oh, type. Uh, then we get Cisco because now clearly he understands the nature of the uh, the post privacy era. Then I think we've got Echo and then Tony. Yeah, uh, Tony only knows. I one. feel like Echo doesn't care. Echo doesn't. Echo barely exists. I feel like Echo's a nihilist, whereas Tony is willfully ignorant. Nah, okay. <laughs> Echo doesn't exist in the show. Yeah, Echo, she barely does anything. Uh, she does one thing in this episode, and it's take her hat off. Yeah, they don't do a lot of cool stuff with Echo, except this episode did have the coolest Echo thing happen in it. Her tricking that guard. Where are we at time? Because I want to talk about something I liked about this episode. Oh, we've got time. Tons of time. Uh, so since we're kind of all over the place, uh, I did. I don't like this show, but <laughs> I do feel like the uh, the kind of actiony thing at the end was actually kind of cool. I give them points. I felt kind of excited watching it, like when they're actually driving around the key cars and you get to see how yeah. tremendously good they are. At driving. Yeah, and uh, they put on music that's bad. I don't like the music. Uh, but there's some cool, like, little cinema... Cinemagra- cinematographic touches. Cinematic touches is what I'm thinking of. Uh, when Echo's driving the car around, some pretty neat use of, uh, of slow-mo. She does some Gymkhana stuff around some boxes, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, once again, car props. And, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of liked that part. And then when the, uh, the giant carrier ship is revealed and it's, like, emerging from the carrier to the song, thought that was really cool. So, the very end of this episode had a lot of cool, action stuff, which I feel like we want to say about almost every episode. Yeah. Every episode has a little bit of redemption at the end where it has a cool, action thing that happens. It's a, it's a proven formula. And, and I give them props for a realistic runway size. Yes. That runway did end. It did end. Yes. And that ship was very slow. This is the shortest runway in the Fast and Furious <laughs> universe. It really is. And, uh, I mean, I guess the key car is so fast. I could go back, uh, come to a complete stop, have a whole conversation with Layla yes. to get her on the car. Then she has to climb the car. And all of that happens before the plane can catch up or the other cars can catch up with the plane. Then he catches not up only with the cars, but passes them and boards the plane at the last second. That is one hell of a car, 
and I do not want to see Tony driving anything else for the rest of the show. I mean, I think you mean one hell of a key. Oh, because the cars are keys and the keys are cars. The keys are cars. Uh, now, <clears throat> once again, when Layla is uh, tased by the taser stick by Miss Nowhere, we once again prove the age-old rule about Toretto's. They always go back, go back for the, the bird. bird. I, I said the same thing. Yeah, they always go back for the bird. So he went back for Layla. Oh, no. It's not Her computer has a virus. Um, coronavirus. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. <sighs> It was cool and action at the end, but what did it really mean? Uh, they got Frosty back? Yeah. Oh, no, they didn't yet, no. actually. At the end, doesn't she say, like, uh, give me my jet. Shit, give me my jet, and then... She doesn't yeah. say, give me my shit. <laughs> give me my shit. Uh, okay, well, I was going to say something, but it turns out... Re- uh, wait... Hold on, yeah, reality has proven me wrong, and I was going to criticize the show, but I won't. He's behind the plane, right, and it's showing his little speedometer thing, and he's like 170 when he finally goes into it. Apparently that's actually how fast planes have to take off at. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So he matches the plane's speed. He matches the plane's speed. Which means he wouldn't catch up. You have to go faster. Yeah, that's why it goes like over then. Oh, okay. They go between 143 to 177 miles per hour to take off. I do have to reveal that I was cooking dinner while watching because, uh, well, time. Yes. And uh, I did miss large chunks of the episode, and I don't feel any worse off from having missed them. It's not a great episode. I... uh, I don't even know what to say about it. They had little laser drones. Who controlled them? No, Frosty. <laughs> this is gonna be the <laughs> the big twist. The big twist is that Frosty controlled those little drones and was trying to kill them. My whole thing about this whole series existing in the same cinematic universe as Fast and Furious is that the the Fast and Familia uses none of this stuff. We've seen very little evidence that this drone technology could exist in the same world. Like, we've seen cybernetic stuff. Like, we saw whatever the hell... Uh, I forget his name, but the bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh-huh. We, we saw what the hell he was going through, and that seemed like semi-futuristic. What was his name? Like uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris, uh, Id- evil Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like what he had going on was... Was peanuts compared to what we're seeing in Spy Racers. Which oh, yeah. Begs the question. When, we, when does this take place? Now that we are talking about the Fast Furious timeline, because as we stated, there is a movie with one Han Lu in it that we missed, so we will be going back in time. Is it possible that in watching Spy Racers, we are watching the far future of the Fast and Familia? All we know, the only connections to the Familia at large, or the the, the Ficky at large, is that Don Toretto looks pretty ripped. Yeah. And that's all we have to go on. There's no mention of any other character or any other events. They're not trying to place it because I really feel like, and here's the kicker, this takes place in 2004. Oh, no. The same year as Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Wait, no, Tokyo Drift doesn't take place in 2004. It takes place in the future. 
Wait, the no. future of like 2004. Oh, you're right. Yeah. There we go. Or whenever it was. Yeah. There's no years. But we know for certain that the version of Dominic Toretto we're seeing, this doesn't... I don't even know why I feel the need to say this because this is as evident to you and me as it is to the listeners. But the version of Dominic Toretto we are seeing is obviously not the biologically original Dominic Toretto. Oh, it's a clone? It can't be. Oh, no. So we're so far into the future that Dominic Toretto has been cloned for future heists and stuff. So there's, uh, you know, the Spartan program from Mm. Halo? Or just stormtroopers, I guess. It turns out Dominic Toretto is the first, <laughs> the first what Spartan one. He, he's Spartan one. Now, here's what I truly believe. I think that the title of Dominic Toretto is much like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing. In that, whenever Dominic Toretto dies, someone else becomes Dominic Toretto, and I don't mean they take up the mantle. They I mean they they transform werewolf style into Dominic Toretto. And perhaps one of the best uh, Vin Diesel vehicles ever to come across the silver screen, uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. There is yes. a, a people with a custom, and that custom goes, you keep what you kill. Yes. Whoever kills Vin Diesel. <laughs> Gets to keep Vin Diesel. By literally becoming him. Yeah. It's like the quickening from Highlander. Yes. They're struck by a bolt of NOS, and then they turn into Dominic Toretto. Yep. Pure, unfiltered NOS enters their veins, and they lose all their hair. Yes. They gain all their muscles. So, wait. So, the, the NOS hits them, and you see the NOS run through yeah. the pipes of their body. Yes, yes. And then their pupils get huge. Their pupils get huge. Their hair falls, falls out. A silver necklace of a cross yes. emanates from their neck. Their muscles enlarge. Yeah. A, a white wife beater emerges from their skin. Kind of like kind of like a um, an agent from the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, Dominic Toretto's here to keep us <laughs> keep us asleep. Listen, there's always a Dominic, and there's always a Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know what else to say other than I am I'm happy we are getting closer to the end of this this nonsense. Yes, and then we have season two to look forward to. What? It's been renewed for four more seasons. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I don't actually know any word about it being renewed. I did hear uh, an announcement, though, of a spinoff series called Little Hobbs and Little Shaw. <laughs> uh, I would absolutely watch Hobbs and Shaw Babies. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. It would be fun. Maybe I should start moving the timer back down. No, you committed to the bit. There is no indication that there is going to be a second season. We're the only people watching it. Yeah, we might be. Uh, that almost makes me feel bad because every week we come on here and we, we trash their art. But you know, yeah. they know they're cashing a well, check. No. Well, no. The animators are doing a hell of a job. Yeah. So that art is good. Yeah. The writers need to step up all of their games. The writers... Here's the thing, writers. Sometimes you're killing it. That Shashidar dialogue. Yeah. That Cisco joke. Yeah. Really good. Some of the most prescient stuff I can imagine seeing in a kid's cartoon. Take the bridle... Bridle? Brittle? Brittle. Take the muzzle off. 
Okay, well, now we're not talking about horses anymore. Oh. Take the horse mask off. It's a brittle. And let yourself be free. Take the blinders off. Oh, it's Bite not... your jockeys. Now we're talking, like, in the bedroom. And let yourself be free. Uh, uh, we also have never dispurged the actors or the performances. We, we've never uh, lambasted or made fun of them because I feel like they're doing the best with what they have. Yeah, they're doing a fine job. The only thing we consistently don't like, and, and we don't hate it 100% of the time, but it's the writing. The writing is the weakest part of the show, which is a shame because there's so much of it. I could see a universe where this show is genuinely good. It exists. Because there are moments of every episode that I very much enjoy, and I'm not a very happy person. Yeah, it's just like, don't write for kids. Write a show, you know, in a certain way that could be for kids. But don't put in these weird moments of, like, the nacho cheese, because adults wouldn't talk to kids that way. And kids wouldn't necessarily find that funny. I feel like the most successful kid shows, I'm going to be one of these 30-year-olds that's like, where's Animaniacs? Animaniacs was great. I feel like the most successful kids' television shows are the shows that are not made for kids. They're just made... And they appeal to kids by their nature. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Rogers, or Philip Rogers, Fred Rogers had this whole thing about, like, you just treat kids like people. Yeah, because they are. Because they are people. So don't make your art dumb for them. Make your art aimed at them, but not, like, dumbing it down. Keep these prescient moments, because, you know, they're going to repeat them to their parents, and then they can have a whole conversation there. It's not just like... The guy said not Joe Cheesy. Man, if if I had a kid, I'm going to go real Kevin Hart here. If I had a kid that said run for you, I'm kidding. Oh. Obviously. No, no. If I have a kid, uh, they're allowed to watch Gravity Falls and nothing else. Let's talk about what we'd allow our children to do. Me, exist. Uh, (laughs) I'd allow my children to exist. Uh, Yeah. Uh, me, I would allow them to work in sweatshops to bring home a paycheck to yeah. help pay for put food on the table. Yeah, because that me, will be necessary. I want to get one thing straight. When I have kids, I'm not working anymore. Right? My body is going to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is. Making those kids. It's, it's The kids have got to... It's a tale as old as time. The kids earn the money. Yeah. Daddy like treats. <laughs> there, there, oh, there's a really sad part of uh, some Asian cultures where there is an expectation for when a child like gets out of school and gets a job that they send part of their paycheck home to help take care of the the, the parents, and it's like. 100% fuck that. What have I got to do to make that happen for me? Guilt your kids. I just bring want... The, bring them up Catholic. I want passive income. <laughs> uh, pa- passive income... How come there's never these passive income articles where it's like... <laughs> passive kids. income. Have children and then wait 18 years and then have them work. Because uh, a lot of people would see that as being unfair. To who? The kid. How's it unfair? Without me, they wouldn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) You can't blackmail or extort a person. Now, a lot of parents, (laughs) they take the tack of being like, 
well, we paid so much money for they you, do. and and we raised we you, raised we fed you, you, we clothed you, and you. we sacrificed so many years. No, I would be a super villain about it. I'd be like, I made you, and I can destroy you. Without me, you are nothing. Give me money. Uh, so growing up, I used to fight with my parents a lot because I went through this whole anti-authoritarian and rebellious phase that I'm still going through because that's just. Who I am. Yeah. Uh, but they, they use those lines on me like, we cared for you and fed you and clothed you and sheltered you for 18 years. And my response in true, like, anti-authoritarian, like, rebellious nature was like, I never asked to be born. Yeah. I mean, it was... And that just... I mean, they had nothing to say to that. And later I had to go to apologize and say, Thank for, thanks for boring me. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they uh, it was their choice. I feel like we've gotten pretty far afield of Spy Racers. Okay, so, you know, we've got... <laughs> we've got some time left. <laughs> okay. And so I feel like we should give a rating to this episode, as we've done with uh, some of the episodes in the past. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and give my rating. Now, this episode, a lot of bad jokes, didn't like the writing, action sequences were cool, realistic runway. A lot of Mrs. Nowhere, which was dumb, and a lot of, like... Mrs. Nowhere winning over other, like, adult authority f- figures. So no one could really, like, put her in her place. I really want Kurt Russell to show up and just be like, Stand down, Mrs. Nowhere. And his Kurt Russell voice. That didn't happen. So this gets a D for... They didn't put Kurt Russell in. That's pretty good. Uh, so I think I have a lot of... A lot of different critiques. Number one, Mrs. Nowhere. Is it Miss Nowhere or Mrs. Nowhere? Oh, I, it's you said Miss. a lot of Mrs. Nowhere. It's Miss. Miss. Older ladies are all. Oh, I wasn't able to give it a rating this time. Dang oh, it. And you also won't hear my weird theories about <laughs> when to call a woman Miss or Mrs. I think. Darn it. I think the. Let me tell you the, my theory. Never. <laughs> Never called Mrs. Mrs. I think you say Mrs. if you're like a traveling vacuum salesman in the 50s and you see a ring. I think you can say Mrs. maybe if you know for a fact that they're married. I always thought that was going to be a bigger deal growing up. Cause I, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, as a kid, it was always like, you know, you got to call them Mr. and Mrs., please and thank you and all that. And, like, I held the please and thank you. But now I just call people their names. Yeah, and they prefer it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what's the word for that? Manners? Yeah. Etiquette? Mm-hmm. What's the point of it? Uh, waste a lot of time. Yeah. I feel like uh, people invented etiquette back when they didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. To When they had an absolute abundance of time. Mr. They could spend on total yeah. nonsense. Mr. and Mrs. Etiquette made a lot of money going around doing the speaking conventions Saying, like, oh, you always put your fork on the right side of the plate. I don't know why they speak like that, but they yeah. do. Here's my problem. Why can't I be Mr.'s? <laughs> because it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm always going to be a Mr. no matter what, unless I become a doctor. And then I'm Mr. Doctor. Now, I have a question. Because we're in this, this era of people choosing to go by different uh, pronouns... Because it better represents them. And there's, there is, uh, like, a, a subset of people becoming, like, a they slash them. Uh-huh. So are they misters and missuses? 
I think they're uh, whatever they want. They're whatever they want. Yeah. I, I say abolish the Mr. and Mrs. because Mr. and Mrs. ascribes to a ascribes to a gender binary that I don't think society is going to support for much longer. Oh, here we go again with John's <laughs> anti-hetero stance taking down America. Listen, I'm just saying their time is numbered. <laughs> their days are numbered. Their time is up. Time's up, heteros. <laughs> we will not call this episode Time's Up, no, heteros. I'm not gonna, no. Uh, but yeah, abolish all things that instill in us uh, a belief in a strict binary gender hierarchy. We flash forward uh, a, you know, a year from the day Bernie Sanders is getting sworn in as president and his opening speech is... There are a lot of heteros, <laughs> and that is what we are going to change. No more heteros in America. Now is time for the they and thems, the misters and missuses, if you will. I, uh, one of his first, first executive order, out the gate, legalize marijuana. Legalize, second, yeah, he did ex- say that. Second executive order, out the gate, he is going to rename heteros to breeders, <laughs> and he's going to rename parents to per- parental units. Oh, that's the same. Third executive order. Legalize everyone wearing black lipstick all the time. Fourth executive order. <laughs> mandatory chokers. <laughs> Bernie Sanders is going to be the first goth president. <laughs> I am the first openly goth president. <laughs> I've been hiding it for 78 years. He's in an interview and he's like, listen, if there was a, a pill I could have taken <laughs> to not be goth, I would have taken yeah. this. Have you seen that, that Pete Buttigieg thing? No. Don't. Is that if they have made a pill to not be... He said if they made a pill to not be gay, he would have taken it, which, very odd. This might be offensive, so I might not say it. Is it weird? <laughs> is it weird that I constantly forget that Pete but- Buttigieg is 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 gay? I think it's. Uh, I think that it would be weird if you forgot that if it was in any way uh, important to his personality or uh, his anything he believes in. Uh, yes, he is a gay man. Does the gay community like him? Not really. Mm. Uh, so, you know, whatever. I think it's fine to forget that someone's gay, just like it's fine to forget that someone's straight. Isn't that the sign of a good character, like, written, like, a good written character, kind of just, like, their sexuality isn't their character, so we can, we can move on. Yeah, I think, uh, the character of Pete Buttigieg is exceptionally well written by his, his handlers and the CIA. I highly recommend a little sitcom called Shit's Creek. Oh, it's good. It's very good. We watched it. it on a plane the last time we were on a plane. It, um, it handles uh, LGBTQ and the rest of the letters I can't remember. Characters very well. And uh, I just finished what they had on Netflix today, so yeah. I, I very much enjoy it. It's a LGBTQIA+. Yep. Uh, whereas Pete Buttigieg is LGBTCIA+. <laughs> uh, I stole that joke from someone else. I'm glad you gave credit to someone else. <laughs> I don't remember their name, nor their Twitter handle. Well, at least you're... I don't know. My brain has been subsumed with politics, and we don't need to talk about any of it, but it's the only thing I've been caring about lately. There's a lot going on, and there's so much misinformation being spread by very popular check marks on Twitter. Yes, these blue checks. These blue checks. I just... 
I keep seeing people disparage any candidate by just, like, reducing their entire political careers to, like, nothing and saying things like, are we really just going to hand this whole election to Putin's favorite person? And it's like, how has the narrative shifted so hard? The only narrative thread there should be, well, I can't say this in good faith on the podcast. The only narrative that I would want to see, there, thereby making my own, this, my opinion. I can give my opinion, right? Yeah. The only narrative we should see is, like, anybody but Trump. I think the only narrative we should see is, the only narrative we should be talking about is, who, running for president, has our genuine best interests at heart and a plan to do that? Well, I, I, I'm not even saying that. I'm just yeah. saying, like, just vote Blue. Yeah. No matter if, what. Like, if, no matter if you're who on, it is. If you're ostensibly on the left, yes. Yeah. But. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter who it is. If you are on the left, your your stance should be vote blue. Uh, however, I won't get into it. I don't want to talk about how the fact that the mainstream left, open quotes in America, would probably prefer a Trump presidency over a Sanders presidency. Yeah. It's a messed up system. There's a lot of stuff coming out in like the headlines. Is like, oh, you're gonna put a socialist yes. in the White House, and it's like, well, we've had <laughs> socialist presidents before. We absolutely have. It's also interesting to me that uh, people keep citing this study that came out recently that said uh, overwhelmingly people have uh, indicated that they would not vote for a socialist, but uh, they have been. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the last uh, three early voting states. Uh, and not to get too Sandersy about anything, uh, but I will say, uh, if this podcast does exist to inform people on things, please understand that something that has been uh, particularly irksome to me is people mischaracterizing an interview that Bernie Sanders had with Anderson Cooper, where it has been recontextualized to make it look like he is uh, praising the authoritarian regime in Cuba. Uh, Winnie, in fact, did not do that. It really sucks that they've they've latched on to that, of all things. Because essentially what he said was uh, Fidel Castro did oversee extremely positive programs. Do you know what the literacy rate in Cuba is? It's through the roof. 98%. Yeah. Higher than America. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fidel Castro oversaw a sweeping literacy program that did good things. And Bernie Sanders said that. Uh, he also said that it's uh, a largely unforgivable authoritarian regime uh, that uh, is pretty ghastly. But also, you have people in America who we consider to be like authority figures and trusted people who say nothing but good things about Saudi Arabia, which, let's be honest, has a way worse track record for human rights than Cuba ever has had. Yeah. So don't get up on a high horse. Anyway, there's no, there's no reason to hate Cuba. Yeah, there's there's no reason to hate Cuba other than the fact that it is a pretty brutal authoritarian regime and they put uh, political dissidents in jail. They have baseball. They do have baseball. But I'm just saying, you can't be mad at Cuba when people that you like are okay with Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is way worse. Man, read that Hillary Clinton tweet where she had a picture of the... Of the Saudi Arabian flag, and she was like, finally, ladies, start your engines. What? No, I don't remember Oh, that. it was when they let women drive, and everyone oh. was acting like that was a, a huge, like, human rights win. Yeah. yeah. I guess it is. 
But should we really be celebrating a country? Let's say a country came on this and they said, finally, black people can walk the streets and people would be like, what a huge win. Let's let's take this country off the hook. The fact that that was even a conversation that was being had indicates a, a pretty serious problem in the underlying country. But once again, I'm not going to get political. It's just the only thing I care about right now. I got you. Well, this is like if I had a podcast during 2015. I know, yeah. When all we would talk about is this. I, the thing is, like, I'm reliving a lot of that that time on the internet where people are just saying things with 100% authority in their voices and they're wrong. And to call them out is to, to begin a whole, like, not even, like, argument that I don't want to have because they're already blind to the truth and nothing is going to show them that they are wrong. Yeah. And that that's I've been struggling with that ever since four years ago when I started tuning into politics for the first time because for the first time I felt like I you know the country needed me to look at politics because mm-hmm. before like we, we you know politics were pretty okay pretty even keel now they're insane yeah and, and, but it's it's like the internet as good of a tool for spreading information as it is. The entire time it existed, people have been working to perfect spreading misinformation. And they're really, really good at it. Yeah. They're so good at it that a majority of people can't even spot when they're doing it. Yes. And and only in headlines when we see that, oh, Twitter shut, shut down 80 Mike Bloomberg bots, that we see that, oh, there is a problem on Twitter. But they solved it. No, they didn't. They caught... The fraction that they could, mm-hmm. but Mike Bloomberg, who has spent more money on this stupid campaign than should ever be spent on anything <laughs> vainglorious like this, he, there's no doubt there's some that, that slipped through the cracks and they're spreading misinf- misinformation, and he's not the only one doing it, and he's with, America's not the only country doing it, and they're all doing it for separate reasons, reasons that w- I would love to know. But all we're doing is, is having these conversations day in, day out. Who to pick? Who to pick? When it's just like, we just know who we don't want. Yes. And it doesn't matter who it is as long as it's not that person. Yeah. Within reason. I'm Within gonna, reason. I'm unless, it's one, unless it's like one specific person on the other side who I think would actually be worse, which is hard to do. Oh, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't wanna trade one I don't wanna trade an addle minded racist billionaire for a a cruelly intelligent racist billionaire. And I, I wouldn't wanna have a, a person who probably watches the handmaiden's tale and goes, What's the big deal? Yeah. This seems pretty sweet. I feel like Mike Bloomberg watches The Handmaid's Tale and he's like, this is like Star Trek, utopian society. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Truly no. the worst. Truly the worst. No. All right. Well, hopping off the politics train, let's give you something more to think about. Um, John, do you follow eSports at all? Electronic sports? Yeah, electronic sports. You get them on your inbox. Is this uh, like uh, like electric football? This you is... know, the, the board where you put the little players on? It goes, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, ten years before I was born. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, this is exactly like that, but instead of football, it's uh, battling little monster creatures 
And instead of 11 players, I think there's a max of four or six, depending on the format. I'm speaking, of course, of Pokemon. The Pokemon Tournament. The Pokemon International Tournament just happened this past weekend. And there was a bit of a shocking surprise in the 12 and under age group. I did not... Okay, I want to make one thing. Per- I want to make two things perfectly clear. Number one, I could not be more excited about the uh, the fact that there is actually a Pokemon League that I oh, can yeah. watch. Oh yeah. Second thing, I want to be perfectly clear on the twelve and under league is the only league that should exist because canonically, those are the only <laughs> ages of successful Pokemon trainers. Uh, so if I were to say that there was a shocking winner of the 12 and under uh, league and, and the Pokemon International tournament, uh, what age are you are you picturing when I say that? So my thinking is probably older than 12 and they faked it because like some amount of like brain power would be involved. Well, let's think of more on the wholesome side. Okay. Like, nine, eight. Younger. No. Yes. Those people can't even think. Yes. Those people. I'm, do, I'm going against, uh, I'm going against Mr. Rogers. Yep. By assuming they're not people. Seven? Exactly on the nose. No. A seven-year-old girl was the That's winner. That's barely above the Catholic age of innocence. We're <laughs> sinning counts. <laughs> <laughs> So when she trash-talked her opponent, yes. saying in fluent Japanese, die, bitch, die, <laughs> it didn't count as a sin. No. It did count as a sin. Oh, she's passed no. the oh, threshold passed by it. one year. All right, anyway. Uh, I, <laughs> so yes, a seven-year-old girl won the uh, 12 and under international Pokemon League tournament, and upon winning, she hugged her Eevee plushie very tight and thanked it for helping her to victory. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. It's so adorable. That's so cute. I think that this is how it should be done. <laughs> Were we talking about Ninja in the podcast or outside of the podcast? That was outside of the podcast. Sorry, Ninja. That's fine. Uh, I think that people like this... You said it was a, a girl? Yep. I think that people like this... Japanese... Japanese girl? Yep. I think people like this Japanese girl don't know why the ethnicity was important. Actually, her name is Simone Lim, so it could be anything. <laughs> okay, so people like this girl uh, are the only Singaporean. Ah, pe- uh, people like this Singaporean girl uh, are the only people who should be in esports because honestly, as people age out, it just becomes sad. <laughs> Yeah. You just become a millionaire with blue hair who punches walls. I love this write-up. Lim predicted that Radboard would use Protect on Rhyperia. Rhyperia. And this gave her the perfect opportunity to knock out another enemy Pokemon with Crunch, a dark-type ability that Radbroad's Dusclops was weak to. I love it. I love it because this is like if journalists had to write about actual Pokemon matches. Yeah. Oh, this, this is, is great. this is uh, this makes me so happy. This was Sword and Shield. Yes. So good. Her first place finish for her first place finish. Lynn was awarded five thousand dollars U.S. or her choice of scholarship. Kind of hope she went for the scholarship, but. 
If she starts or... streaming right now yes. with the clout from she, this Pokemon she victory. She will not need that scholarship. Oh, no, yeah. Why go to college when you've got millions of dollars rolling through your inbox? In just 20 years, she'll be a blue-haired loser who punches walls and yells at children. And does ASMR. And does ASMR. Uh, so good for her. That's amazing. That's pretty great. That is the only time I've ever heard esports news and it hasn't made me cry out of frustration for the human race. I think it finally shows... Esports should be the, like... I stand corrected. The Sonic Fox thing was cool, too. Oh, that was cool. Sonic Fox? Sonic Fox? What? He was, like, a gay furry guy who, like, won a Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool guy. Anyway, <laughs> eSports should be a playing field of equality between the, everyone. Because all of the action is digital. Yes. So it, it's cool to see people who... Like, traditionally, it's been male-dominated for the longest time. I think we're starting to see maybe a little buck in that trend. Maybe maybe we're going to see less male winners. I don't know. But, like, esports is the perfect environment for that to happen because there are no physical limitations, uh, biological-wise, between any of the participants. I just want to see a fetus play Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, finally we'll put... The to death the the pro life pro choice yes. argument when a fetus wins the first tournament of Street Fighter Eight will know that. Uh... I'm actually not going to lie to you. This is pretty germane to what I'm looking up because I was going to make some really bad jokes. So I'm reading about the Age of Reason, not the Age of Innocence. The Age of Reason is where someone becomes accountable for their sins. And apparently there's a sizable schism because some people think that you become accountable for your sins in the Catholic Church at conception. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, all that sinning you did in the womb. Yeah. I'm going to come back to haunt you. You... What's a what's a sin one could accomplish and accomplish? What's a sin something could do in the womb? I mean, there's a lot of kicking that goes on. Yeah, covet thy neighbor's goods. <laughs> covet thy neighbor's wife. Yeah, co- if you if you're twins in the if you're twins in the womb, you could be like you're getting way more amniotic fluid than I am. I, I mean, there's honor thy father and mother, and like stretching out your mom's organs. That sound like honor to me. No. Have you ever seen someone give birth? Not honor. Oh, that's not honorable. Maybe that's the original sin they were talking about. Okay, here's... Birth is the first sin. Here, here's here's the horrible thing that that posits. Uh, if the mom dies in childbirth, is the child a murderer? And thus, you know, going against thou shalt not kill. As long as the conception people are to be believed, yes. But also the original sin, the sin of uh, Eve. The, yeah. Well, we're all going to hell. According to Catholicism, but the more reasonable Catholics, of course, say that the age of reason is seven. Okay, so right. Oh, she's. Yeah, still, still oh, sinning. No. Still sinning. I looked that up because that is something I've been quoting for years and did not actually know if it was true. Glad to know I was wrong, but it is a concept. Oh, well. Thanks, thing I was taught in church a million years ago. To the day. 
To the day, someone becomes a person, though, at 16. <laughs> Wait, what? 16 years old? I don't know. <laughs> You're responsible for all your sins at 7, but we don't treat you like a real human being until 16 years old. Yeah, no. You... Which back then was like, welcome to middle age. You can sing your brains out until you're 7, uh, but you're also not a person. I... I do feel like that is the case for children. Because have you ever looked at a 15-year-old? They're just a person without rights. Yeah. Like, they've got all the thoughts and the reasoning, but not the life experience. But they just don't have the same rights that we do. It's really a shame. Uh, I mean, wait. I don't want to make it sound like I'm making a weird Alan Dershowitz age of consent no, argument. No, no, uh, so to the age th- of consent, to be clear, should be twenty-five. <laughs> to put this in another context, John Mulaney went on the Colbert Show and talked about working with children on his uh, sack lunch bunch comedy special. And one of his one of the kid child actors was art um, complaining about like their mom telling them to do something they don't want to do. And John Mulaney told them without thinking, "Well, just tell her you don't want to do it." And they joked back, ha ha, yeah, but I want to live, though. <laughs> and he had the realization, like, oh, you are a complete human person, and your your thoughts and feelings are completely legitimate and valid and, and equal to mine, but you have no rights. Yeah, you are completely subservient to adults, because, to an extent, because let's say that your, your adult, like, uh, like, hits you or abuses you, and you get taken away, still... Even by being taken away by CPS and like placed oh, in the system, becoming a ward of the state, I heard is is really bad. Yeah, but I mean, in everything in that like transaction, you are at the whims of adults. You never have a say in the situation, so you you really only have so much freedom as a child. And yeah, you know, go. But, this is a weird theme throughout the episode, but going back to like what Fred Rogers said, anyone who has ever created art for children is like speak. To children as adults because they see and understand more than you believe that they can. Oh, yeah. Because children do have the capacity to think, reason, and understand pretty similar, if not the same as an adult, much, much earlier than you think. Yeah. And that that's the, that's the whole lesson behind the Baudelaire orf- orphans. They can always see it's Count Olaf. But no one listens to them and no one believes them because they're just children. And Count Olaf is a very nice man who lives in a, a manor and he's an actor. And yeah. He's, he's nowhere near these parts. That's something, not to get too much into a series of unfortunate events, but I feel like that's a narrative that you never get in children's media is uh, the the children are right, but the the world only sees it through the lens of adulthood being a signifier for whether or not you should believe or listen to someone. Yeah, I mean, you gotta... Because the Baudelaire orphans are the smartest people in those oh, books. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Because you get they're a, the protagonists. You get a little bit of that of Harry Potter, but it doesn't really count because he's wrong. Yeah. But the Baudelaire orphans are always right because they see the world as it is and not as, a, like, as it, quote, should be because... If everything worked correctly, Olaf could not be in all those places to do all those terrible things. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the system that adults created is jank, and so Olaf is everywhere. I actually saw a pretty good uh, meme. I think it might have been from the Hard Times or another similar uh, satirical organization 
where uh, I, I'm sorry I can't pledge any money to Bernie because he's clearly Count Olaf in disguise. <laughs> That's very funny. That's very funny. I think about this sometimes, uh, in, in that we we do tend to like some uh, quite a bit of kids media is like oh adults just don't understand because we don't. And yeah. I think that's almost one of the reasons why I think it would be difficult for me to have children. Because if I did, if I didn't succumb to the, like, kayfabe of having kids where you don't believe them just because of the sheer convenience of not having to believe them. If I had, like, two kids and one of them came up to me and they said, my sibling made me so mad and made me so mad that I, like, punched a wall or acted out in this way. And my response was to say, that really sucks. I can't imagine how you must feel. Yeah. Like, if I talk to them like I talk to an adult who I trust to have uh, an internal, like, uh, dialogue and struggle and the ability to heal, you never see people talk to kids that way. It's really interesting of a thing because, like, kids are... They start out being able to do nothing, and you take care of them 100%, and you make all the decisions for them. But then they become a person way too quickly, and you still think that you have you, you get to make all those decisions for them, because mm-hmm. you, you have. Yeah. So to put that in per- into perspective, pretend that your cat Bean yes. suddenly gained sentience and like wanted to make decisions for herself. Yeah. And she like, walked up to you and said... It is time for me to eat now mm-hmm. when, like, she always eats at five and you tell her, no, you'll eat at five. But she says, but I'm hungry now. Yeah. And you discount that because for years or however long you've had Dean, mm-hmm. so not years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> about three months. About three months. You, you've you've made that decision for her. Cons- yeah. Assuming that this is how you feed Bean. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's pretty fat. We just kind of feed her whatever her food's <laughs> well, like. Well, I mean, it's like that. You, you spend years making every decision for this this person. Yeah. And then suddenly they gain personhood way too quickly. Like, I want to make it clear that this has been the most effective way of communicating this message. Because in my mind, I was imagining my cat walking up to me like, I'm going to go eat cat food with my friends. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, to, in my mind, I was like... That's insane. That's insane. You always eat from your bowl from the food that I give you. Exactly. Why would you go with your friends? Yeah. And that, having those two brain cells connect in my head, I imagine that's what having children would feel like. Yeah. It actually filled me with like a kind of indignation and panic. And that's, that might be the closest I ever get to feeling what a parent feels. That's what parents feel when suddenly it's like... Yeah, I might just grab food at the mall, and it's like, but you've always eaten here. Yeah. It's like, no, I mean, I, I've got a date. It's like, you didn't have a date when you were two? Yeah. <laughs> when you were two, you were here, yeah. and we fed you, and it was spaghetti, and you sat right over there. I remember yeah. it. This was a second ago. And, and like, uh, more importantly, like, and that was last week. Like, yeah. I remember. It was last week. I remember. You were two, and you were in your high chair, and you threw spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. And that's when they go, Mom! Yeah. And they, why are you bringing that up in front and, of and that's why, children and, fish? And that's why, and that's when Bean goes, Dad, I'm not a cat anymore. I'm a person. I'm like, you're always a cat to me. Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah. This is... Uh, that's exactly it. This is... You should, like, patent that analogy <laughs> because it's it's very effective. I, I genuinely feel like I just had, like, a therapy session. I, like... I, uh... What do they call them? Pacific Rift? 
Pacific Rim, oh, where you, like, uh, perfectly sync with someone. You drift you with drift, them. You drift. We just drifted. I feel like I just drifted into a parent. Yeah. It's very strange. What is it? If you walk at somebody and, like, move in the same direction, you're drifting. Drift compatible. Drift compatible. Yeah. 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 Man, that movie really fell out of the cultural consciousness. There was a sequel that I never saw. I heard it was okay. Yeah. Didn't have John Boyega in it? It did have John Boyega in it. Okay. Sure. Anyway, parents are cool. I I have a newfound respect for parents. Yeah, they go through some hard stuff. But yeah, but mine were know, dumb and I hate them. Yeah, but get off your fucking high horse. Come on. Oh. Uh, Come on, mom. I just yeah, want to go to the mall. I just want to go to the mall with Gajilderfish. I just want to go to the mall with Gajilderfish. Her name is Gajilderfish. <laughs> and my goth president, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> oh, man. If... <laughs> I just had the thought, if we had an openly goth president, all those goth kids could grow up thinking that they could become president, too. That would be great. Finally. Representation. Representation is important. Now you understand why representation is important in media. This episode is a mind blower. Oh, yeah. Big time. Real life shit. Uh, I drank all my beers. Oh, you drank all of them? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm stressed out. I'm Listen. Uh, well, now there's no better time to talk about what's happening than right now. Well, I, maybe we should continue with our trend of good news. Fine. I'm going to try to take your mind off things. I think... I don't know when this happened because uh, time was a blur and I'm just moving from one distraction to a flat next. circle. No, I am not referring to that. Fine. I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so this happened yesterday. Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this name before, Harvard Weinstein? Oh, that is some good news. <laughs> uh, there's some really good news out of that. Uh, so yeah. we, the last time we checked in on Mr. Harvey Weinstein... Uh, he was we were, having his genitalia described <laughs> we were, in the public court we, of record. We were having, his genitalia was described in the court of record, and also you get to see a little tiny naked... <laughs> picture of him that a courtroom a very give this courtroom artist like the a pulitzer prize or something because to be a courtroom artist i can't imagine that that's a very thrilling job i do think it would be cool uh but you have to be like a courtroom artist and see jurors being handed around a picture of harvey weinstein's naked body oh they got to see the actual naked body yeah they saw like a picture of his because it's disgusting Typically speaking, if you're being charged for something like that, and a lot of people have like detailed descriptions of your body, oh. you have to then have pictures of your body taken. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, if it's if their their descriptions are wrong, you never yeah. saw me naked. Yeah, uh, which the Chewbacca. No defense. one should ever be in that situation because no one should act in such a way where they have to defend themselves against that. Harvey Weinstein's a monster. He is a monster. Uh, but if you're a courtroom artist and you see people being passed around little pictures of his naked body, you have to be like, now's my moment. I have to perfectly commit this to memory and commit it to paper. Yeah. And they really did it. Yeah. Uh, but what about Mr. Weinstein? Even oh. though I know what happened. Oh, man. Thank you for asking me and, for, and keeping up the charade that <laughs> I am con- in control of anything. Uh, he was found guilty on two counts, criminal sexual act in the first degree, 
And rape in the third degree. Uh, I know that I was reading a tweet today where someone shared that story and said, I was on the bus today and saw a woman look at her phone and audibly say, finally, and I knew what she was reading. I this is This is amazing and great because it shows that no matter how powerful you are and how much money you get, it's not all a shield from the horrible, horrible things you do. Yes, it's only a shield for decades. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that... <sighs> the shields get worn down. Yeah, and it's it's not the... I feel like... I don't want to make it seem like what I'm saying is that... It was a shield for decades because that's just the way it is. I feel like it was a shield for decades because, unfortunately, he existed in a time when Hollywood was ghastly and allowed shit like this to happen. Yeah. And now we are entering into a new phase of humanity where we are not as forgiving of stuff like this. And he got caught in it. And we were lucky enough that he didn't die before it happened. Exactly. Because now, now, like, there's precedence legal-wise. Yeah. And also, he's being made an example of, which is great, because now it's like you can't get off scot-free anymore. You yeah. know, No more free passes just because you own a production company, and a lot of way, like, attractive women are coming to your office to try to pitch movies. Like, this was a thing that nobody should ever do. Yes. And so it's gl- I'm glad that it's finally starting to come to an end. But nothing will change until Brian Singer is right next to Harvey Weinstein in the same prison, exchanging stories about their weird penises. I feel like there is... There's a... The Harvey Weinstein thing, to me, is extremely important because we saw the Bill Cosby thing happen. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, Once again, thank God that Bill Cosby did not die before he went to prison. Because I feel like uh, the best thing that can happen is these people can be alive to be punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I, I don't know. I, I, and just found guilty. Because a lot of the times when somebody dies, they just drop court cases. Yeah. And it's like, well, don't we want to find the truth? And it's like, well, if they're dead, we can't punish them. And that's like a whole thing. I mean, here's the... here's a You end up with a what I like to call a Michael Jackson situation. Yeah, where there's this where weird... Nebulous nature of what actually happened. If you believe the victims, which you should, then he is a a monster, like a world class monster. His music is still on the radio with great regularity and is still a huge part of culture. So it would have been much better if he were alive to see something like that come to fruition because we get to see his living memory include the punishment. But if someone's film strip ends, and then the truth comes out later, then, like, that that colors their life, but their life is done. And it has a minimal impact to society. So I, I appreciate that Harvey Weinstein got to be punished while he was alive. Uh, for however longer he's going to be alive. But I also feel like it's an important step in the Me Too movement, because this is really when we get to see the first big, big fish get punished. We've seen it through to the end. And then, hopefully, after this, like fireworks, one goes and then they all go. And yeah. We start to see a bunch of other things like this. I don't know that that's going to be the case. This is also a pretty big milestone because this is one of the most notable ones to enter the official, like, court and yeah. not just a court of public opin- opinion. Exactly. And, and this is the way it should be done, like... Carry out justice. Find out, you know, let him stand before a 
trial of his peers and let him be uh, weighed guilty or innocent in the court of law. Because, I mean, that's just how, that's how justice works, right? I mean, sometimes, sometimes the court of law gets it wrong. Uh, But I do... Yeah, true. The court of law does get it wrong often. But the thing is, it's the only system we've really got. I know. Because uh, one Joaquin Phoenix... Uh, he's not cancelled or anything. Oh. But he, he, during his Oscar speech, he was speaking out against... Cancel culture. Against cancel culture. I do feel like cancel culture is... is it, it has problems. Uh, so I feel like, if at all possible, if we can take things through legal cha- channels, that's great. It's expensive and lengthy and traumatic, and I wish that it, it didn't have to be all of those things. Uh, but to see something come yeah. to a, a rightful end like this is very satisfying. <laughs> I saw a take on Twitter. Um, apparently, Weinstein's lawyers have reported to the press that he has had an elevated heart rate and shortness of breath ever since the verdict. And uh, somebody, I can't remember who she was, <laughs> took him down on Twitter saying, yeah, that's called a panic attack, and victims such as yours experience them for years after the trauma they witness. And then she was like, try to focus on one one of these each things, like something you can see, something you can touch, something you can smell, something you can taste, and something you can hear. And she, the last line of the tweet was, for the taste thing, it could be justice. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I, I would like to say I, many sympathies for his elevated heart rate and shortness of breath. Yeah, who cares? Uh, hopefully his heart rate goes down because he no longer breathes straight to the, to the electric chair. Chick, chick, uh, boom. Well, uh, <laughs> the death penalty exists wherever he's going. Uh, also, I don't believe in the death penalty. Yeah. But, you know, well, let's make some well, exceptions. Here's the thing. He, I mean, realistically, in this one case... He is like what eighty something. I have no idea how he, old he is. He's very. He's in. He's in the the final. He's stretch of his life. Let me say something. Let me be frank. Well, uh, <laughs> well, he is. He is the kind of old fat guy where he could be forty five or he could be ninety. True. True. He looks bad no matter what. So, so I guess let me phrase this. He seems to be toward the end of his life. He had been doing this for decades. Yes. And the justice system and, and the, uh, I guess, the by extension, the prison system exists on the belief that anybody can be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. But if you are toward the end of your life and you've been doing crimes for decades and you enter the courtroom with an increasingly comedic form of walker transportation to get sympathy points... Do we actually, and this is this is this is a thin line, believe he could be rehabilitated? I mean, it, that's a tough thing to say because the the argument to, for the death penalty is the argument that there is there are people for whom rehabilitation will never be effective, for they can never be rehabilitated. I don't think that's true. I I like to believe that anyone can be rehabilitated, and even if not that, then then killing people is not the way to go. Uh, also, he is 67 years old. Okay. So he's got a little while left. But, uh, Bill Cosby, though. <laughs> it, it becomes tricky, because if you make the verdict that somebody cannot be rehabilitated, 
you start the, the awful conversation <laughs> of uh, where do you draw the line, you know? And I guess no human wants to have that conversation, so I guess we just put him in prison, hopefully for a really long time. And uh, when he gets out, he's too enfeebled to actually keep doing his weird sex crimes. I, uh... Can I just read to you the first line of Harvey Weinstein's Weinstein? Absolutely. Uh, his Wikipedia. Yeah. As of today. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein, born March 19th, 1952, is an American film producer and convicted rapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, very nice. Yeah, I, I love one of the good things about conviction is that we, can, we no longer have to say alleged. Yeah, we can... Harvey Weinstein, film producer and convicted rapist. Uh, finally, those things are equivalent. Uh, Bill Cosby says the same thing. It's like stand-up comedian, actor, convicted sex offender. Yeah. It's great. That should say rapist. It should. Yeah. I don't know... I haven't read Cosby's, but I know that it no, changed yeah. to convicted sex offender. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, good. Yeah, great. Big old good. Let's keep doing it. Keep... Keep... What... Breaking that muck up and, and getting them out. Get them yeah. out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Pull those Get weeds out. out. Put them in prison forever. Why? Are, who is letting Kevin Spacey have a camera every Christmas? I don't know. Kevin Spacey, prison. Brian Singer, ultra prison. <laughs> What's really weird is that Kevin Sp- Spacey was facing two different lawsuits, and both uh, victims in those lawsuits uh, have died now. Yeah, crazy coincidence. Weird coincidence, crazy, huh? Crazy coincidence. Unbelievable. Doesn't he know House of Cards ended? <laughs> Apparently not. There's a little sequel called Let Me Be Frank. Ah, uh, gross. Very gross. Ugh. Uh, so the last thing I really want to talk about on the podcast. For list anger? I said ever. Oh, not ever, but mm. for a time is actually going to be... Uh, for fans who did not listen to the previous episode, why would you skip one episode? That's an unlucky number. 169. <laughs> because whenever I look at 169, I imagine 100 people 69ing. Wow. And it, uh, disturbs me, and I, I, I have to click away from it. Are they in a large ventilated room, at least? No, they're in the, the, you know, the, 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 the infinite plane with the three inches of water that Thanos ended up on <laughs> after, after he snapped his fingers to make all the people go away. Oh, no. <laughs> What's so, it? <laughs> so the bottom partner is, like, trying to keep their head above yeah. water yeah, the you, whole time? You can drown in a reflecting pool. What did it cost? Everything. <laughs> what a mental image. What the? John, what the hell? I said I don't have an internal narrative. I picture horrendous things. Uh, however, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about uh, future podcast things, and that uh, I will not be here. John's not going to be here for the next episode. For the next episode, I still don't know what I'm doing for that. You've got a week. Did you say you might try to record something, or is that flat out the window? I might try to record something, depending. Uh, my trip did get a little bit complicated today because yeah. my significant other might be sick the entire time, but we're still going. There's no, absolutely no pressure. Yeah. To I, do anything for the podcast. I, uh, as we talked about, I am going to Colorado. Land of the Rising Sun. Land of the Rising Sun. Wait, I know. Let me, let me be more clever than that. Land of the Rising... 
What's a pot euphemism for sun? Uh, let's see, bud. Ryan of the Rising Bud. That's pretty good. All right, all right. Uh, so I'm not going to... Listen, if I record an episode uh, in Colorado and it's slightly weird, mm, I don't know. Maybe something happened. The Blunty Ooh. City? Blunty City, like Windy City? Yeah. Yeah, let's see. The city that never spleefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, like and, but they do. Yeah, oh, but they do. Yeah. The city that always spleefs. Yeah, okay, okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, live free or vape hard? No. Jewel hard? No, Jewel's nicotine. I've learned. Yeah. Man, this is hard. It's very hard. How does Seth Rogen do Live it? Live free or vibe hard. Vibe. Yeah. Like a braider? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you were in the middle of saying yes, something. No. Uh, I'm just saying I will be in Colorado for a week enjoying that sweet Rocky Mountain air. Oh, sweet Rocky Mountain high. Uh, there we go. Yeah, there we Not go. Not skiing. No. Because skiing is very expensive, and yeah. honestly, if I'm going to go somewhere to ski, I'm going to live there, because I'm going to be damned if I'm going to spend, like, $500 on ski lessons and just ski on bunny slopes. Hell yeah. And then if I don't ski on bunny slopes after one ski lesson, I just, like, break a femur or something, yeah. so I'm just avoiding the skiing thing Hell altogether. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to go to Denver, Boulder, drive out on I-70, do a bunch of, like, cool Denver shit. Go to Golden. Golden? Yeah, it's right next door. To Denver? Yeah. Is it cool? Uh, I mean, it's got the Coors Light factory. A lot of people tell me to go to the Coors Light factory. I So we've done it. And uh, I, it was before I could drink, so... It's just Coors in general, right? You get free beers? Yes, there's a tasting room at the end, and I think uh, you get a number of free tastes, and then you can pay for more. Okay. And they've got like stuff you can't find anywhere else. Plus, just the whole process is pretty neat, even if you don't drink Coors. I'm a big brewery tour guy, so I'm, I like a Coors. I don't, I don't yeah, need a Coors. It's pr- pretty fascinating. Uh, and then there's a ton of breweries in Denver we're going to, but regardless, yeah. the reason I bring it up is I'm not going to be here for a week. I'm going to try to record something. I would mostly be something recorded on an iPhone, so I don't, I can't speak to its quality. Uh, I've been... I've been playing around with the idea of recording a podcast with my girlfriend. That could be fun. Yeah, it might be fun. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So Uh, if there's a podcast where it's just us talking about stuff, uh, we'll see. That's no different from this podcast. Yeah, there's just going to be less structure. That's no different from this podcast. You're right, you're right. So, uh, I mean, an important thing is next week you will not see the seventh installment a fast and the furious. most important thing. Yeah. Oh, dude, but what if you did? No, you won't. What if we each? Oh no. Watched an episode of it, and so recorded a podcast. We each about watched it. seven. We each watched episode seven <laughs> of Spy Racers and recorded. I don't know. I don't like to commit to a less than zero because when you're traveling, it's tough. And I yeah. So that's that's why I'm saying yeah. equivocally and. We will not. There is no chance that you will see episode 7 of Fast and Furious, Colin Spy Racers, next week. Uh, so if you're only here for that, I guess you can <laughs> skip this next week. You can week. skip episode 171, but do not skip the following episode, which will be the supplemental reading of uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, the origin story of Han Lu. Please don't commit me to that. <laughs> I don't know what my schedule is. Okay, holds. fine. Let me know what your weekend plans are like, and we'll figure it out. Well, this upcoming weekend, you're gone. 
Yeah, other weekends. I, I, I don't know what's beyond. We've already weekend. discussed that your wife knows what you're doing on the weekend, but you don't. Uh, and that is true of me as well before my girlfriend, who's so sweet and sick. Yeah. Uh, May she uh, get better. Yeah, she feels better. Not the flu, though. I talked about this. Not good podcast material, but... Oh, what are we doing? I will be gone. You've said that more than the once. The podcast will be bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. You will be gone, and also you can't edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. So you have to edit this uh, one and whatever the next one is. I don't even know what I'm going to do next week. Who knows who you'll talk to? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm going to need to know if you're recording before I record... Because either I'll have way too much or way not enough. Oh, I have no idea if I'll record. Uh, if I record anything, it will have nothing to do with whatever you... You know what? If you record something for next week, let's just say <laughs> make it about 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, God. What if it's and only then, 30 to 40 minutes? And then you'll have a little... Yeah. Then you'll have a respectable length episode with a little bit of slop in case I do something. All right. We'll be bored in Colorado, probably. I hope not. There will be nights. It's a great. It's a great city. Yeah. And also hotel TV, not hotel Airbnb. Oh, if your Airbnb doesn't have a TV. Yeah, we're staying in. Uh, we're staying in something that they called a wanderers retreat. It's all decked out to look like a cool, like outdoorsmany thing. Never mind. There won't be a TV. You're out yeah. of luck. I think we're also staying in someone's basement. I don't know. So upstairs is the TV. Upstairs is the TV. We have to go hang out with Chet, the the landlord. There's always a Chet at these Airbnbs, and they're always better than you. He looks like Beavis. From Buttheads? Yeah. Which one was Beavis? Beavis was the one with blonde hair. Okay. Did you ever watch... We can't get into Beavis and Butthead on the podcast because I have to go. I never saw it. And uh, we're, we are decidedly out of time. We are certainly out of time. I have to pack to get ready to go to Colorado. Don't forget to pack your warm clothes. I have already packed those. I bought these hot pants. Wait, <laughs> you bought hot pants? Yeah, they. I, I was looking at them online. They said hot pants. I looked at them and they seemed real short, but I'm like, well, the marketing has to be right. <laughs> that, so uh, so um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That's a good onstage, <laughs> like, touring the nation comedian, like, you, you know, trying to get a head, st- uh, your, your foot in the door comedian bit. Yeah. Take off your pants. You're like, these hot pants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you could even do like a Dimitri Martin, like, slideshow on you. I'm going to get very high. And we can talk about that. It's legal there. In good conscience because it's yeah tragically legal. Y- you can... The weird thing is like you can express intent in a different state. Yes. You, can, you can't bring any back. That's like the only stipulation. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I have a friend. I won't bring it up. But the fact that people have brought stuff back from there is insane to me. That there are dogs. No, that makes no there sense. There are dogs. That makes no sense to me. There are dogs. I mean, I know. Like, also, I'm not going to bring any back because if I did engage in those illegal activities, I have a lot of people who would sell it to me here. Yeah. Uh, but what, I don't. No, you, uh, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. The weird thing, like... I imagine that I would. The TSA exists in this weird sort of Schrodinger's cat level in my brain where the knowledge that they are completely ineffectual and, like, miss 98% of the things that they're supposed to detect, that fact lives in my brain right next to the fact that, like, 
they could fucking arrest me and like detain yeah. me and make my life hell. Yes. Both of those thoughts exist at the same time. Yeah. I uh, I don't I don't mess with the TSA. I don't travel enough. A lot of people I know that travel all the time have zero respect for the TSA and bring a lot of shit on planes they shouldn't. I I travel a ton and I still I don't know I still. It's because I get discriminated against because of my hair, which is a thing that, like, I know a hundred million people go through every day, and I only go through at the airport. Mm -hmm. But let me just say, and this is should not be news to anyone, being discriminated <laughs> against by how you look sucks. I, uh, I'm discriminated against because of my ass. Two That's called my ass. 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 <laughs> you think that I'm kidding. Uh, so... What? When you go through TSA, do you opt to do the metal detector, or do you do the infrared array thing where you raise your hand and it goes whoop whoop? You have no choice. You do have a choice, right? Can't you do metal detector if you want? Nope. Uh, I always do voop voop. Y yeah, you have no choice. Uh, so the thing is, every time I'm in the voop voop, it says that there's something in my butt region. Pretty much every... I've, I've tried hiking my pants up. I've tried wearing different pants. Pretty much no matter what, it says there's something in my, like, belt area. So every time I go through TSA, I've gotten very used to it at this point. They put on the gloves. They, like, reach inside of your pants. I've never had that feel, happen to me. Feel the top of your butt. Oh feel the God. outside of your butt. And then it's done. I've never had that happen to it's me. It's so bizarre. I've been through the voop voop so many times. And the only thing that ever happens to me is that they say, wait. And they gather my hair. Oh, Lift no. it out of the way. That's and, like, all feel the back of my oh. neck. And I'm like... This is coming from a person who does not like being touched by people he doesn't know. Yeah. And I like I have no choice. I have to let them touch the most precious part of my body, my hair. Yes. And then the weirdest part of to be touched by another person, the back is of the, the neck. the back of the neck. And I'm like, "Why are you touching there?" Yeah. You once you lift, you can see there's nothing there, but like they they like rub their whole they head. They have oh, to. It's just so awful. And so like I would pr people I would like tell me to put my hair up. But I'm not about to learn a whole new skill. <laughs> I would, uh, I would, I would like that less than the butt touches I get, to be honest. Okay, with you. you know, because then at least I get some human touch. He hearing that, actually, uh, yes, I agree. Being touched on the butt. No, honestly, I'm saying that, that is so much worse. Because here's the thing: no one wants to touch my ass. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Uh, I'm in a relationship with someone who does, and that's great, but no one in the TSA is like, give me a piece of that. So they're, like, very quick about that. Yeah. Like, I know what I have to do. So they do, like, a fingers spread oh, sweep, yeah. and then they do, like, a, yeah. a hands, yeah. and, the, and I try to wear something sexy for them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the machine's just detecting the thong you're wearing. Yeah, it's... Unfortunately, my thong is made of mercury. <laughs> the worst part is there's nothing you can say to be like, no, trust me, there's nothing there. Yeah. You can't assuage, like, the fact that they have to do it. You'd be like, we can skip this, because that yeah. immediate would be like, 
Oh, do you, we have to we have to do the full body cavity search yeah. now, don't we? I uh, I felt real bad because like the second time it happened, the first time it happened, my pockets were full of receipts. So I was like, I get it. I didn't take this shit out. Your pockets are supposed to be empty. I know. I didn't think about it. So Jesus when they when Christ. they did the butt thing, I'm like, this is the price I pay. The second time it happened, I knew for a fact my pockets were empty. I I said. I was tired. It wasn't a good trip. And I oh, said man. to the TSA agent, I was like, really? He's like, listen, I want to be honest with you. This is hard for you to believe, but I want to do this less than you want me to yeah, do it. Yeah. So please understand, I have to do yeah. this. So I'm like, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I get it. Just touch my ass. We can go, we can go about our day. Wait, did you say that? Uh, no. No. That would that be was, too clever. That, no. That's what you put on the te- the movie. Yeah, that's what you put in the movie. That's what you put in the catch me if you can or catch my ass if you can. Touch my ass if you want. <laughs> yes, the sequel to catch me if you can. Touch my ass if you want. Uh, uh, but yeah, TSA sucks. I'm gonna go through it tomorrow, and they're yeah. gonna touch that keister. Well, I wish you luck, and I wish you a toughless ass. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when the machine, the whoop whoop gets backed up, you get waved through the metal detector. Oh, that actually happened to me this that'd past. Be great. This past uh, Thursday. Oh, I must be such a boon for people because they get waved through the metal detector while they're doing my ass touches. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I should. I should orientate my body yeah. towards the metal detector and be like, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> as, as the swap is happening. Yeah. Also note, when they say like any electronic device larger than a cell phone needs to come out of your bag, they're no longer like playing about that. You oh. have tablets, switches. I have been detained so many times because I didn't... Well, once it was because I didn't realize my Kindle was still in my bag. Oh, no. Yeah. Do they ever swab your hands for explosives? No. Every time. <laughs> okay, now you're just making stuff No, up. no, no. They, they, for real, they have this little swab thing that they stick a no, stick into and then they go... never f- happened. Every time they touch my ass, they swab my hands for explosives. I don't is know... It, is this real? No, this is 100% oh real. I get the hands and the ass every time. Okay, I'm so... I'm going to try different it, pants. If I were you, because I've had my runs with the TSA that I just described... But if I had gone through what you have gone through, I would never fly again. <laughs> Every time it happens, uh, I, like, ask for a tip. I'm like, do you know, like... And they're like, you, some people with, like, certain builds, you have to, like, hike your, your pants up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, how do I avoid this again yeah, I'm like, how future? do I avoid this? They're like, well, you have to hike your pants and up. And you're like, hike your pants up? I had to take my belt off to go through the machine. Yeah. And then the second time I did that, after I hiked my pants, I was like, hey, man, do you have any tips to have this not happen again? And he's like, yeah, you shouldn't hike your pants up so much. And I was like, okay, this is, I mean, oh, contradictory man. information. The third time, I they were like, I don't know, maybe your belt loops stick out too much. I'm like, how am I supposed to be in control of this? I should just wear leggings. You know what? I'm going to Colorado. And <laughs> you I'm... go to the machine and you're like, okay, you didn't wave <laughs> me through, so you just take your pants off. I got like those vented Nike performance <laughs> you leggings. You tear away pants. You tear yeah. your pants away and you're like... Don't worry, just making this easier on everybody. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, everybody. This is normal behavior now, apparently. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to getting out of here. Well, let me know how that goes, because I feel like I need to report on that next week. I want to give a John's butt update. <laughs> yeah. Was it touched or not? Butt date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, different thing. 
Uh, however, <laughs> since you are editing this week, that does mean that I have to do the social media for this week. That so is true. Here we any requests? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, could you make it jazzy? Make it jazzy? Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, if you want to send, <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. Uh, if you want to send us a jazz tweet, uh, you can do so, Daddy O at ZCPC WHJ on Twitter dot saxophone. <laughs> that stands for Henry. That stands for Zero Credits Podcast with Henry and Jazz. And if you want to send us a jazzy email, you can do so at zero credits is a podcast at gmail dot little bongo thing snap snap fingers daddy o. Uh, we're on Facebook, but Facebook is for square space. Uh, we are on Spotify. Search for zero credit podcast one. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Search for zero, zero credit, one left hand snapping and appreciation for, uh, for a chromatic scale on a piano S, another hand snapping and appreciation for, uh, the sweet 12 bar riff. On the flute. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and you'll find us. We are on Apple Podcasts. Steve Jobs was a hep cat until he died of cancer. Uh, we're there. Zero Credits Podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Cancer is not jazz. Uh, however, most importantly, Daddy O's. The toots of the horn are the only way we can survive. Uh, so tell your friends, tell your stand-up bass players, jazz, <laughs> and uh, they will, uh, Ryan Gosling invented jazz. Uh, they will be an angry man playing a piano, and they will let everyone know. And then uh, Emma Stone was in that movie, too, right? Yeah, she was. Yeah, so if you tell your friends, Emma Stone will listen to the podcast, and that's what I like to call an easy A. Oh, was she in that one, too? She was. Oh, I, thought I really one. loved Emma Stone when no one knew who she was, and now I love her even more. And from everyone here at the Emma Stone Fan Club Appreciation Podcast Studios... We want to wish you a happy trip to Colorado. She's got a great eyes-to-lip-to-nose ratio. What the like, fuck does that mean? The perfect amount. That sounds like some weird incel, like, breaking down female beauty nonsense. I'm just saying she has two eyes, one nose, and one mouth. <laughs> the perfect ratio. <laughs> is, that, is that what a ratio is? Yeah, it's the golden ratio. <laughs> Did you even hear me wish you a happy trip to Colorado? Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Bye.
know, cats think they're fancy. Dogs think they're famous.